May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Well, today, here we are, fourth Sunday of Advent. We can see all the candles are lit, and in the theme, according to many traditions, this would be the Sunday underscoring the attribute of love. And ready or not, Christmas is almost here. So how many of us have been rushing to get last-minute things done for Christmas? And I know my tradition was to get all my Christmas shopping done on the morning of Christmas Eve. We've gotten better about that ever since Amazon. But uh, certainly, one thing that we are remembering as we celebrate the nativity of our Lord on Christmas Eve is that um, many themes come to mind when we think of the Christmas holiday itself, uh, which includes the most important uh, highlight would be Emmanuel, God with us, God coming in the flesh. And ultimately, as the saying goes, Jesus is the reason for the season. I reflected in my preparation for this homily on the account in St. Luke's Gospel where the angel appeared to the shepherds who were very much afraid to be in the presence of the glory of the Lord that shined all about them. And we see that the angel said in St. Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And that account again is found in St. Luke chapter 2 verses 10 through 14. Fear not is the phrase. Fear not and on earth peace, goodwill toward men as is written in the King James Version. And then we might ask ourselves, well how can we have peace in the midst of many of life's storms, especially for this very interesting year uh, that we're still going through right now with everything. Just fill in the blank. Uh, whether it's the pandemic, some of the social unheaval, uh, politics, uh, even shortages on uh, milk, eggs, and toilet paper. I remember that time. And one of the best illustrations I could find is the illustration of of a hurricane. In other words, when we think of a hurricane, we think of a massive, destructive force of weather. And a hurricane, as we know, is a storm with cyclonic winds that exceed 74 miles per hour. Less than that would be a tropical storm, and even less than that threshold, a depression. That comes with rain, thunder, and lightning, usually with winds, fierce winds. And hurricanes can be very fierce storms with relentless pounding winds that continue hour after hour for those who have lived through that. I remember escaping the wrath of a hurricane when we lived in South Carolina. But there is a very fascinating thing about the hurricane. It is the eye a place of perfect calm in its center. Though the winds blow and rage all around it, there are none in the eye. So with us in the storms of life, with the Lord as our center, there is calm and peace, even in the darkest of life's storms. This morning, we will focus on having that peace of God that surpasses all understanding 
which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So let us turn to our epistle passage on page 95 in your prayer book. This is, uh, we're beginning in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, if you have your Bibles with you. And we begin, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Well, why did St. Paul repeat that word rejoice? Well, it's because he previously addressed disagreement between two ladies in the church. I mean, we're not really sure what it was all about, but we do know that they were very dear to him and they were co-laborers with him in the gospel. And he exhorted them in Christ to simply agree in the Lord. Immediately following the exhortation, the apostle exhorted the church to rejoice with double emphasis. He repeated that. Why? Well, this may imply that a single injunction might simply prompt the question, well, how can we rejoice in view of our difficulties? Because certainly the church at that time was going through fierce persecution, much like what we see elsewhere in the world today. So he repeats the command because in all the changes and chances of this fleeting life, whether it's illness, especially the pandemic or other diseases, financial difficulty, interpersonal conflict in our various relationships, or even persecution from the world or threat of imminent death, all of which St. Paul experienced at that time, the Christian still is to maintain a spirit of joy in the Lord. Because we all know that none of us are immune to sorrow and nor should we be insensitive to the troubles of others. Yet, we should count the will of God as our highest joy and our highest priority and as the Holy Spirit enables us so that we may experience inner peace and joy in every circumstance. Let's go on to the next verse, verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Reasonableness. Well, that's a very interesting uh, word. In the Greek, it means not insisting on every right of letter of law or custom. It's about being gentle, yielding, kind, courteous, having a forbearing spirit. In other words, it is the willingness to yield one's personal rights and to show consideration and gentleness to others. And it is easy to display this quality toward some persons who are agreeable, but St. Paul commands that it be shown toward all. That would seem to include not only Christian friends, but also even unsaved persecutors, false teachers, ultimately anyone. And certainly we don't tolerate false doctrine because truth should never be sacrificed, but having a gentle spirit will do much to disarm the adversary. As we read in Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It kind of reminded me of this. How many of you get uh, text messages trying to sell you things or to go to different sites and all that and all the spam calls and all that? Well, evidently, somebody on my other phone I'm using actually texted me back this morning and saying, I am not interested in anything that you're selling. If you contact me again, I'm going to call the police. And I'm like, what? Where did that come from? And I simply said, sir, I did not send you that message at all. 
Okay, I didn't do that. Someone actually spoofed my number. I guess that is a thing. I said, so Merry Christmas. And he, he replied back and, and apologized. And I said, no worries. It, it's all good. You have a very Merry Christmas, sir. Ultimately, it's important in how we relate to others, even in the most heated of circumstances or conversations, especially when we're interacting with those outside of our sphere, because who knows, uh, we might may have that opportunity even to share the gospel in, in the midst of that conversation, certainly to invite them to fellowship with us. And the reason why St. Paul addressed this is because he reminded us that the Lord is near. And that refers to the appearing in the last day, or the parousia. And that has more to do with his continual presence that he has with all of us as Christians anyway. And as St. James also wrote in his epistle, you also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And that's in the fifth chapter of St. James, verses 8 through 9. And that simple statement is a reminder that when Christ returns at the end of the age, the righteous judge will return to make all things new as he promised in Revelation. Our Lord Jesus promised, Behold, I make all things new and to set things right, which in light of all of that which pertains to his return, it'll make all of our human differences seem trivial by comparison in the age to come, in a new heaven and earth. Because at that point, it won't matter because we're going to be worshiping the Lord at the wedding supper of Lamb for all eternity. So therefore, we're not to be anxious about anything. And that begins in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to be anxious? Well, the word means to be apprehensive, have anxiety, be unduly concerned about circumstances well beyond our control. I am certainly an expert in that because I used to worry about everything. And even back in my tech training days, early in my Air Force career, I I had a a fellow airman say to me, okay, so when you're going to stop worrying about this thing, are you going to have new things to worry about as well? Because all you do is worry, Barry, stop it. And that's something that I actually had to grow out of. And I've gotten better. I've actually seen victory in that life. Now, I want to be very careful here and not uh, say that that is the same thing as having an anxiety disorder characterized by a sudden feeling of panic and fear, restlessness and uneasiness. And if that's the case, then definitely seek care by a licensed behavioral health professional but also come to me in prayer, uh, for prayer. Come to me for prayer and I will pray for you and lay hands on you and even anoint you, especially if you struggle with that. In the same manner that for anyone uh, who is sick or injured, go see a doctor, but also come and see myself or or any one of us in the church for prayer uh, that that we may pray for you. Because the way I always say it, we fight the battle on both fronts with both care and prayer. So what I'm talking about has much more to do with worrying about things, having undue concern about circumstances that are well beyond our control. 
And not that we didn't have any material to work with this, this past year. I think we, we all did. But I think some of us, if we're honest, we will admit that we even grew through that as well. And what did, what did Jesus say about that? In St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 25, he said, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Ultimately, he said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto us as well. So what is the answer to having such undue concern or worry or anxiety? Well, it's prayer. Now, in the Greek, what we're talking about, it's the petitioner's attitude of our minds and hearts as being worshipful as we approach the Lord. Supplication or petitioning uh, would mean that it's a prayer as expression of need. Because anytime we go to the Lord in prayer, we first praise Him for who He is. And then we ask for those things that we need. And He already knows it anyway. We're not telling Him anything that He doesn't already know. But also with thanksgiving, uh, which should accompany all Christian prayers as we pray. Because we acknowledge as petitioners that whatever God sends us ultimately is for our good and to his glory. But also as we pray, we must remember uh, how we have been blessed previously by the Lord and look back over the years. And I especially think about how the Lord still provided even when we were running short of milk, eggs, and toilet paper and other things. And the Lord still provided for everything that we needed. I remember when masks were even hard to come by. But we have plenty that you can get now. Clothing stores even design them now. I've never heard of designer masks until 2020. Fascinating. Right, so when we do this, what results? The peace of God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Following the exhortation for us to pray, St. Paul concludes with a beautiful promise that when we turn from being anxious to prayer and thanksgiving, God will grant us his peace because our focus ultimately is on him and not us or our circumstances. And ultimately, it conveys our trust in him as well. This peace is reserved for those who already have peace with God through justification by faith in Christ. And that's really where it begins, that ultimate peace. You need to know where you stand eternally. In other words, if you were to die today and God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would your answer be? And the correct answer, it is only because of Christ and his grace and mercy and our faith and trust in him and him alone do we have eternal life. Nothing that we earn or deserve. So having that peace, it's that peace that exceeds all that we can understand, all that we can comprehend, and accomplishes far more than any human forethought or planning that we may have to get through it. Because I know as for me personally, I would have a tendency to over plan on things, just just ask people who who know me best. And some of that is born out of anxiety and worry. And um, again, that's just one of those areas where I am growing myself. But ultimately, this peace of God not only suffices, but far surpasses anything that we can comprehend. It acts as a sentry to guard our heart. 
And when we think of that sentry that guards or posts a guard, it's a biblical symbol uh, that uh, we are is standing guard and watch over our very hearts. And whatever, what is our heart? It is the personality in which the mind resides. It is the seat of our emotions and our will. And it's our thoughts that need to be guarded as well. Because sometimes our thoughts can take on a life of their own and imagine things that... Uh, scare us at times, but ultimately in guarding our heart from all anxiety and all despair that we are being preserved in him. That is such a profound concept. And the one thing I want to leave you with here is that we do hear this every week at the end of each service and with the blessing that follows, that the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds and the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So meditate on that, especially as we close at the end of our service. So as we prepare to celebrate the Nativity of our Lord, let's reflect on what it truly means to experience peace that exceeds all understanding, especially as we prepare for a new year with all that comes with it, knowing that ultimately God is in control. And he empowers us with his Holy Spirit to trust in his sovereign will for our lives. For in him, we live and move and have our being. And we say this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost.